Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You may not get what you want, but he's going to give you what you need. And if your heart is such where you're content with whatever he gives you, you can make by with, with, with very little, much, much less than what any of us in this room currently enjoy. And sometimes we're the better for it. I find that if I have plenty, I can tend to get lazy. That's what happened to Solomon. He had plenty and he got lazy. It seems to be the thing that happens. Whenever we have an abundance, we get lazy. Whenever we have a lack, all of a sudden he's got our attention. We're a little bit more careful. We're a little bit more dependent. We're a little bit more prayerful. And I tell you, that is a good thing in the day that we live in. Today on Truth in Christ, God directs and God supplies. Hi everyone, and thanks for joining us today. Pastor Rob continues our study in chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy with God's gifts to the Jewish tribe of the Levites. God's specific instruction to them involved their service of worship and sacrifice to God on behalf of the Jewish people. Our God is so gracious that if He calls us to serve Him, He will always provide us with the tools to carry out His request. He also directs us in the proper manner that will fulfill His will and plan, as He does with the nation of Israel in these studies. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. He says, Therefore they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord, notice, is their inheritance, as He said to them. You know, Isn't it wonderful to think that the Lord is your inheritance? I wonder how many of them were thinking, oh, man, are you you kidding me? You mean we don't have any place to live, but, Lord, you're our inheritance? You know, show me the money. I don't think that they felt that way. In fact, I I think it's very possible that the other tribes looked up to them and said, you know what, these people are going to be closer to God than we are, and they're going to be serving at the very core. They're like God's center, you know, his... um, those who are closest to him. And they had a responsibility and uh, a great accountability as a result of that. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, this was, uh, I'm just going to read a couple verses to you because this, what I'm about to read to you, occurred right after they had made that God had given a second pair of tablets to Moses. Remember the first tablets he broke, the second pair of tablets? He had to make an ark for the Ark of the Covenant. Immediately after that, it says, at, the, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is, is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised. And you know, I think about what grace that is. Think about what happened with the tribe of Levi. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, we read of the Ten Commandments. And what were the first three commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, and that is, or that is in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations, notice, of those who hate me. Now fast forward eight chapters. God sees this line of Kohath from the Levites. And he says in Exodus 28, he says, Now take Aaron, your brother. He says this to Moses. Take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And then just four chapters away from this. I'm not sure the time frame here. But just a short time after they've been inaugurated as this high priest, this priesthood, what happens? Exodus 32 happens. And what happens in Exodus 32? Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights. They had just gotten out of Egypt not too long ago, and they're looking around thinking, man, he's probably been devoured by a mountain lion. I think it's time to uh, have a party. And so Aaron says, take off your rings. Take off everything, gold, take all the things, all the, all the, all the <laughs> take out the tackle box from your head, and then we're going to put it in a fire, and he's going to fashion this calf, right? And then you remember what happens after Moses gets those tablets. He comes down, sees what's happening. He breaks those tablets for what has happened. You notice the grace of God? Let no one say that God is not a God of grace, because if he wasn't, if he wasn't a God of grace, he would have killed Aaron on the spot, he knew in advance that this was wrong to do because God gave him the Ten Commandments prior to that. He anointed him, and then they fall into this gross idolatry. And think of the grace and the love of God. And see, that's just the way he is. God is a God of grace with you. He's not looking to squash you. He's not looking to hurt you. He's not looking to take out his wrath upon you. If, if he takes out his wrath upon you, then what happened on the cross was of no effect. You may be chastened as a son or a daughter of the king. That happens, but it's with the idea of learning something. I need to learn a lesson because if I don't learn, I don't learn except by pain usually. Are you any different than me? I learn really well by pain and usually only by pain. You can tell me all you want, but I think I'm going to do it better. And then when I suffer the consequence, I'm like, I should have listened, but I didn't. And isn't that what growing up is all about, <laughs> as growing up as a kid? But notice, God is a God of grace. And all throughout the Old Testament, there is justice shown, but also a tremendous amount of grace. And I want you to encourage you tonight to look for it, because there's an example. And there are many other examples. Somebody comes up to you and says, well, the God of the Old Testament is just angry and mean. You can say, no, he's not. Take him to uh, Exodus 20 where the law was given. Take him to Exodus 28, where Aaron was made the high priest, him and his sons forever throughout their generations. And then finally take him to Exodus 32. And Aaron lives for at least 40 more years until he dies, and they bury him on Mount Hor. God's grace. God's grace. Let's go back to verse 3 in Deuteronomy 18. It says, And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, whether it's a bull or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil 
and the first of the fleece of your sheep you shall give him. And so these are things that because of their vocation, because of what God called them to do, God's going to take care of them. What God calls you to do, he's going to pay for. So whenever you are stepping out and doing something, if God has called you to do it, the, the, the resources are going to be there. Are you going to wait at times till the 11th hour? Probably. <laughs> are you going to struggle sometimes? Probably. But what is that doing? It's, it's causing you to be dependent upon the one who did call you, and it's causing you to rest in his work and not trying to make it happen. Because if the resources aren't there, what do we do as Americans? Pull out the American Express. It's our God. <laughs> if I can't get it by waiting patiently. You told me, Lord, that you're going to give me this thing and I'm supposed to do this thing. Well, if I don't get it by noon tomorrow, it's going on, it's going on American Express. You don't have to do that. What God calls for, he pays for. And it may require patience on your end because that's where we grow. And everything is not easy, contrary to popular belief in this country. Teach your kids that now, that not everything is easy. We live, we live in Disneyland. I tell my daughter, you live in Disneyland. I can't wait to take her on a missions trip to somewhere over in Europe, over to Bulgaria. And I guarantee that when she gets off the plane, when we come back, she will kneel and kiss the ground of America. Because I did. <laughs> I kiss the ground and I thank God for his grace and his mercy. Verse 5, For the Lord your God has chosen him, speaking the, the, the children of Levi, has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. And you know, the Lord does. He sets those apart who serve, who serve him. There's a, there's a phrase in Deuteronomy chapter 25. It says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn. And the idea is that when you're serving the Lord, you live by those things that you're, you're, suing, you're serving him in. And, and uh, in fact, in the New Testament, Paul gives this uh, very clearly to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning in verse 9, he says, For it is written in the law of Moses, and he's, he says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn or out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about, or does he say it altogether for your sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, that it is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. And if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this uh, right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know? that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings at the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so God, what he, what he calls, he pays for. And these Levites were called a very specific thing. And so God is saying, don't worry about the other things. Don't worry about your food. You're going to be busy night and day from the sacrifices and all of the different ordinances. You guys are going to be busy and you're going to be bloody all day. And when the day comes at the end, you, you can sit down and eat with your families of these offerings, these things, of the people that they have brought. And you aren't, you aren't going to go without. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. Don't you just love God that way? You may not get what you want, but he's going to give you what you need. And if your heart is such where you're content with whatever he gives you, you can make by with, with, with very little, much, much less than what any of us in this room currently 
and joy. And sometimes we're the better for it. I find that if I have plenty, I can tend to get lazy. That's what happened to Solomon. He had plenty. He got lazy. It seems to be the thing that happens. Whenever we have an abundance, we get lazy. Whenever we have a lack, all of a sudden he's got our attention. We're a little bit more careful. We're a little bit more dependent. We're a little bit more prayerful. And I tell you, that is a good thing in the day that we live in. Now, if we can just get there, no matter what station we are, you know, Paul said, I've learned to be, uh, you know, to abound with much and with little. And that's really where you want to get to. It doesn't matter the circumstances. God wants to get you there because then you're a mature believer. Your, your maturity is not dependent upon your circumstances, upon your big paycheck or your little paycheck or no paycheck. He wants to bless you. He wants to grow you. He's more concerned about the means than just the ends. Some say the ends justify the means. Well, God is looking at both of those things, but I can tell you he's really concerned about the means to that end, not just the end, because what happens in here is called sanctification. That's what it is. He says, If a Levite comes from your gates, verse 6, from where he dwells among all Israel, and comes with all the desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, meaning Jerusalem, then he may serve in the name of the Lord God as, as all his brethren, the Levites, do, who stand there before the Lord. And they shall have equal portions to eat besides what comes from the sale of his, of his inheritance. So if he's living somewhere in Israel, he's going to sell his property. Levites were allowed to own property, but they, weren't, they didn't inherit land when they first came in. And so if his heart's desire is to go to Jerusalem and, and to, to, to continue to serve or to serve where he hadn't previously... He can sell what he has, and he can come in, and the ministry is going to take care of him. The ministry is going to take care of him. And he, above and beyond what he sold his property for. Let's look at verse 9. Verses 9 through 14 are really, it's a prophetic section, just like what we read last week in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17. Let's read verse 9 uh, down through verse um, 14. It says, when you come unto the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among any of you who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. That's exactly why God drove out those seven nations out of Canaan. The very reason he, he drove them out and, and caused them to go in and to destroy everything because of this. Verse 13, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these reasons, or for these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. And so we can see that these things are not good. In fact, if we look at verse 11, it says, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist. Uh, a medium is an individual held to be a channel of communication between the earthly world and the world of spirits, demonic spirits. 
And there's different variations of those who practice this art of being a medium. Sometimes it involves a spirit purportedly or taking control of a medium's voice and using it to relay a message. Or the, the, the medium may simply hear a message and then passes it on to whoever's there who wants to hear it, who's paid well for it, by the way. Or where the medium um, invokes uh, materializations of the spirit or the presence of a voice or telekinetic activity, things moving across the table. Nancy Reagan, if you remember, and I think it was around 1988, she consulted with a medium. Her name was Shirley MacLaine. And she consulted with uh, Shirley, I believe it was, to assist planning the president's schedule after the attempted assassination on Ronald Reagan in 1981. And so she was so exasperated, naturally, as a wife would, instead of going to the Lord, and Ronald Reagan was a a pretty strong Christian, especially after he got uh, the attempted assassination. But his wife, I don't know, she was just out there in left field. And instead of going to the Lord, she resorts to Shirley MacLaine or whoever the other medium was. There may have been a couple. But instead of going to God, you go to Satan, knocking on his door, 666. Hello, Beelzebub. Yeah, I got a problem. My husband just got shot, and I'm really nervous about him. Can you help me? And God is all the while going, why, why can't you just ask me? Actually, I did protect him. He's still alive. I caused Brady to jump in front of him at the right time. I took the bullet. He's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. I called him to do it. That's what he was sworn to do. He's, he did it, right? Notice with me, turn with me actually to 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28. We're going to look at verse 3. This is back during the time of Saul and Samuel, back before Judges, but after Joshua. It says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. And then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. And so Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Now, you may think to yourself, well, that's really mean, Lord. He's coming to you and he's asking you. Well, if you go back, we don't have time to go there tonight, but I want you to write down uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want you to just read the whole thing because in it, and, and also in... Um, yeah, First Samuel chapter 15 and First Samuel chapter 13 as well. And we're going to see that from the very beginning, Saul was rebellious. God would tell him to do one thing, and he would do another. And, and he, this is a pattern with Saul. And so God finally says, Saul, the kingdom is going to be stripped away from you. Okay, so this event that I'm speaking about now where God revealed to Samuel, go and tell, go and tell Saul his kingdom is done. I'm going to divide the, the kingdom, and you're done. You know, there's coming a moment when, uh, very soon, when it's all going to be over, and so he does. But now, afterwards, now Saul 
is scared about what's going to happen. So he says, verse 7, then his servant said to uh, then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. Wait a minute, you just threw them out. You threw out the mediums and the spiritists. But now God's not talking to you, so now you want to go to talk to Shirley MacLaine. I don't get it. So then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. That's a great name for a place for a witch, Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, and the two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and speak up for me, or bring up for me the one who I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know that Saul, what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. So when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What, do, what did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground, and he bowed down. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called to you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Now Samuel was a, was a godly man. Why is he going, if God is silent to you, then why are you complaining to me? Now, there's a lot about this verse we're not going to go into tonight because this is really not our text tonight, but it's kind of weird. And there's a lot going on here, but we don't have, we're not going to get into that tonight. I don't think this was Samuel at all, honestly. I think this was just a demonic spirit who, was, uh, who knew enough. And actually, we find out that what God had showed to, uh, to Saul back in chapter 15, he didn't learn any new information by him trying to bring up what he thought was Samuel. He didn't learn any new information. He knew that his kingdom was coming to an end. It was confirmed here through this demonic spirit, if, if that's indeed what it was. So Samuel said, Why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you? And the Lord, as the Lord has done for himself, as he spake by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom, notice, out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. See, the devil knows what has happened in the past. Demons know what has happened in the past. They don't know they're very limited on what they know of the future. They know that their end is coming, but they don't know. They're not omniscient. The devil is not omniscient. And so when people go to spiritists and mediums, a lot of times they, the, 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 these demons, they know who the ancestor is of, of, your, of who your, your, your passed away aunt or whatever it is. They know what her favorite food was. They know these kinds of things. And so they gain your confidence by saying, was your aunt, did she like uh, cheese puffs? Did she like those Cheetos cheese puffs? Not the, not the thin ones, but the really big, thick ones. She did. She did. She loved those. She always had orange fingers. And did she have a Kohl's credit card that she maxed out every, every fall? How did you know? Well, some other things I could tell you, but, you know, I'm kind of low on cash. But, you know, and all of a sudden, you're hook, line, and sinker now. Anything they tell you, you know, and the next thing you know, you're being told a message that's going to lead you off. And that's exactly what a medium, what a spirit will do. And so, 
This is what Saul does when he no longer is hearing from the Lord. Again, because of his disobedience, because of his own rebellion, God has turned away from him. But instead of accepting that... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.